Hello and welcome to Potter Not, a podcast for those with conflicted Harry Potter feelings and those who have absorbed Harry Potter through cultural osmosis and want to dive into the good and the bad. I am Zoe, she, her, a jaded fan. I'm Adela, she, her, a fan in crisis. I'm E, my pronouns are she, they, and I'm a fledgling fan. And I'm Bo, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm a reluctant fan still. <laughs> welcome to the show, Bo. As promised. <laughs> thank you, thank you. As promised, we have a guest today. Um, Bo and I work together. Um, she is a self-identified Slytherin and also a non-self-identified Brit. <laughs> I don't know about self-identified. If you have done multiple online quizzes, it's not, the... not self-identified. Yes, exactly. I, th I, would, I would argue that others have identified me as Slytherin, though... I will point out that in the latest quiz, I sorted as Gryffindor. Oh, Jesus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I think it was because basically it was asking who you wanted to hang with, right? And I realized that I had social engineered my group such that I would maintain control of them in each case. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. We have invited Bo to come and talk to us about the upstairs neighbors are starting to play trumpet. So that'll be in the background of my recording. <laughs> uh, the chapters the rogue bludger the dueling club and the polyjuice potion let's start first with what's your general history with mm. harry potter up to now and then how do you feel about it now i think that i'm actually of the uh, exact age group that when the first book came out i was exactly the age that harry was and so um, I think people in my exact age bracket have had, in the UK especially, have had a very intimate relationship with Harry, as it were. Um, but my relationship with him didn't really start until I was about mm, 15, like a little bit older, because I hate it when people tell me that I have to read this thing right now, and I invariably don't. And so I have actually never read the books since, and that remains true, though I'm very familiar with the movies. And also, I just listened to a podcast about Harry Potter. So I feel Which like one? I've... Um, the binge mode one. Mm. Uh, and they go through each of them kind of in detail. Um, returning to the book was actually strange. I think I had, ending with the seventh one, which no spoilers, but you should know that it is written in a more kind of adult and mature way. That's what I've heard, yeah. Yeah, and coming back to this book where they're 12 um, and the reading comprehension seems to be for 12-year-olds, I was surprised at how much of a children's book it was. Yeah. Um, surprised and a little disappointed because I think that in my years of thinking about them, I also teach uh, a course on fan studies when, and Harry Potter features greatly in that. Coming back to them and realising, oh, you know, they're not as sophisticated, at least at this stage, as I kind of remember them being was a little disappointing. Yeah. What do you think of the chapters? Like a lot happens in them, but also not a lot happens in them. <laughs> right? Like it feels like... <laughs> It feels like a lot of, like, if we draw out the arc of what's actually important, what's actually important is that they polyjuice themselves and they find out that Malfoy is not the heir of Slytherin. And a bunch of kids and ghosts get petrified, um, such that the, the Chamber of Secrets being open is given kind of a dramatic weight. Everything else is just extraneous information, right? Yeah. All the information about... You know, the Quidditch match, which I always find boring anyway. Oh, I always love them. Oh, really? Why? I also love them. I think she's a good sports writer. But if I'm reading Harry Potter, I don't care to read about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I've always wanted to spend more time in the class. 
through. I mean, I went to grad school, so you went this to might... grad school twice. I went to grad school twice. We do learn about Dobby. I hate Dobby. Oh no. <laughs> I hate Dobby and I've always hated Dobby. I can see that. I can see that. He's... I find him unbearably annoying. Unbearably. Yeah. Why do, Why is he like this? Just think for one second. Yeah. Maybe it's not the house elf way, but you're telling me that a creature capable of cleaning and maintaining and feeding an entire estate doesn't have the logical knowledge to realize that what he's planning is probably nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fair point. Adela, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to ask for E's reaction to the revelations that happened in these chapters. Yeah. In retrospect, it it's pretty obvious that Dobby was the one who stopped them from getting on the mm. train. I feel like I should have figured that one out. I'm trying to think if there's any like specific reactions I have. I think the dueling club is very funny. <laughs> yeah. All of these preteens just cannot wait to try and murder each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's not just Harry and Draco. All of them just... <laughs> I found it really funny when I was reading it this time how the first spells that Harry and Draco do to each other are the tickling charm and the dancing charm. Yeah. <laughs> curse. Well, we don't know how many other curses they... And, you know, one of my major complaints about this entire series has been how they... Um, how they... Whatever... There's, it's always time for a jelly legs hex. Yeah. Whatever situation you find yourself in, it's time for one of those hexes. Mm-hmm. And it kind of... It consistently annoys me that they never learned anything more serious. <laughs> they learn pl- plenty of serious things in book four and five. I Indeed, say. I suppose they do. And six. Yeah, yeah. Rictum Sempra, which is um, a laughing curse, and then Tarantula. Tarantulegra. Hey, dancer, does this mean anything to you? Yes, actually, I looked it up because I... I had a headcanon of what I wanted that spell to actually be instead mm. of being a curse because the word I think I can't remember which the root of the word basically means overcoming melancholy by dancing. Mm. Um, I need to find a source for that because I haven't looked at it in years, but I remember looking that up. Yeah, I always thought that the Tarantilegra spell should be a healing spell. Mm. instead of a curse mm. and also um i like the fact that um it describes the kind of dance that it makes her do which is a, a kind of quick step so yes. i sort of always imagined it as like an irish dance <laughs> oh so me yeah. too absolutely the tarantella is a is a very fast dance but i do i i also imagine that he just turns into basically michael flatley and does yeah. the, the river dance <laughs> e what did you think of these chapters beyond that i will say that I was kind of disappointed that the thing with um, Justin Finch Fletchley and the Hufflepuffs just turned out to be the Hufflepuffs are scared of Harry. Yeah. And I was a little bit disappointed in that. I was hoping that like the scene of Justin like running away from Harry was going to turn into like a thing like with him or with the Hufflepuff students, but instead they're just like... Yeah, the Hufflepuffs are never a major part of the story. No. That bums no. me. Yeah. Book four. Yes, yes, but but the, the other That's houses will never give yeah. a, a due. Uh, Dumbledore's office is fun. Dumbledore's office is fun. Yes, and I also what distressed me was that this these chapters contain my least favorite aspect of Harry, which is his utter refusal at every point of his life ever to read Hogwarts a history. Yes, <laughs> even though all the answers he seeks seem to come from Hogwarts a history. Yes. For God's sake, man, do your reading. <laughs> but Hermione already did it. Yeah, I let's 
let's just like quickly go through the chapters and then like move towards the Slytherin stuff. Yeah, we have a most potent potions. I love, I still love most potent potions. I know it's supposed to be old English, but it's very Italian sounding. Um, Bo read the first few paragraphs of this book to me in the car the other day, and I forgot how horrible poor Harry was treated in this poor classroom. I think my favorite part of this is uh, I then screwed up my remaining strength and performed the immensely complex, this is Lockhart, homorphous charm. He let out a piteous moan, go on, Harry, higher than that. Poor Harry has to like, he's being like tackled in classes and like Mm -hmm. hauled to the front of lessons during every lesson. Also, there is no charm to stop to cure werewolfism. No. (laughs) No. He just made that up. This is patently bullshit. And of course, he signs the the note for Hermione and they go and get the book. Okay, so Harry gets all the bones removed from his arm and it's a terrifying chapter illustration and I hate that. (laughs) Oh my gosh, is it illustrated? Yes, I will now take a picture oh, no. of this and send it to you. The this series continues to have scenes that would be absolutely horrifying if portrayed oh, yeah. in a particular way on on mm-hmm. film. In the film, it's actually I think way worse than it is. Yeah, I don't like in it. After illustration, because shall we say they bend it all the way backwards? Yeah, oh, it's pretty no. grim. It's pretty grim. It's pretty grim. And then I, I, if I remember rightly, it kind of makes a noise as it kind of yep. flops oh, forward. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah oh. kind of wet. I hate that. This illustration is is fine. It yeah. just looks like an Adventure Time Wiggly character. Yeah, yeah. I will point out that I think the films really did a bad job casting Lockhart. He's really? supposed to I be think Kenneth Branagh is the perfect. I mean, he's too old, but he's the perfect Lockhart. Oh no, his manner is very good, but Lockhart's supposed to be at least somewhat dashing. I think Kenneth Branagh is a good choice because he's also a stuck-up git. But Kenneth Branagh is one of those people that I do find notoriously ugly. <laughs> no offense, <to> Kenneth. <laughs> <laughs> Kenneth, if you're listening. You're a, you're a um, titan of stage and screen. You are. I do think that the implication that he thinks he's way prettier than he is. Yes, that's true. That's and Kenneth Branagh does have that like white, scary smile that Lockhart is supposed to have. But there is no place in the world where Kenneth Branagh would cause a bunch of 12-year-old girls to have crushes on him. That's fair. Who would they cast now? Oh, what an excellent question. Sean Mendes. I don't know. I'm too old to know what the youth like. Timothy Chalamet? <laughs> too young. We discussed this last time. Oh, How old me? is he supposed to be? 30. 30. Chalamet looks Chalamet's 12. a little young for that. Chalamet looks 12. Wait, Lockhart is four years younger than Snape? Yeah. So he's like okay, 27. So he's like 27. So he'd be like 27, yeah. Tom Holland. Yeah. No. Yeah. Chris Evans. Too old. Too, too old. old. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. <laughs> too beefy. Too beefy. Too beefy. That, that, too beefy. That's true. Too beefy. You need someone who's kind of, you know, weedy. Lockhart is and... just a bimbo. He's not a himbo. <laughs> that's right. That's not right. a himbo, just a bimbo. Good call, that's E. Right. Anyway, so Lockhart continues to be insufferable. He t- continues to be insufferable and he continue. He, re- he removes the bones from Harry's eyes. Yes. admire him on some level he's done very well for himself <laughs> he's a smart man in very specific ways he also instigates the dueling club which is he does yes um this is just a, a point to keep in mind the snitch was next to malfoy's face and harry yep. got it because yeah. malfoy was not paying attention because he was too distracted by teasing Harry. Uh, I don't know that there's much else that happens in this chapter other than... Quidditch chapters are filler. Well, Colin Creevy at the end. Well, with in the, the camera. Sense that he, we intru- yes, but come on. JK could have found another way to introduce Colin Creevy that didn't take the whole chapter. That's true. 
Um, but yeah, count, so E, what's your prediction? Who is the heir of Slytherin? Well, and because we've got, in these chapters, we've got, what, three petrifications? We've got mm -hmm. Colin, Justin Flinch Fletchley, Finch Fletchley, mm -hmm. and Nearly Headless Nick. Yes. So what's your prediction? I think that it's neither Draco nor Harry. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't know who else is on the table. <laughs> there isn't really anyone else on the table, but right? But I'm pretty sure that Malfoy and, and Harry Potter are both red herrings okay mm -hmm. which is i think that's like being made clear by the end of this segment that it's neither of them how do you think the petrifications are happening gosh that's a good question well what clues do we have about the petrification so far be harry potter step into detective harry's shoes i feel like i'm, I'm in a, a uh what is it socratic method we're trying to elicit the answers from you yeah i don't know i would say there's a medusa on the loose but i don't think that's a medusa would make sense mm. that's mm -hmm. turning people into yeah, stone this, is, yes. this isn't percy jackson so i'm pretty sure it's not a medusa <laughs> that's fair that's very fair it's probably one of those things where like next time it's going to be made obvious and i'll be like oh yeah of course i should have seen that yeah, you've got. A, I think you've got a little bit to go before it's very obvious. I did, by the way, from the. It might even have been in the last segment. I did predict that Harry, being the heir, was going to be a red herring. Yeah, I remember the hat, like waffling over whether to put him in Slytherin. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is a thing that, the the sort of thing that tends to happen to a a protagonist. That makes sense. I would like to say, poor Neville. There's a, a roaring trade in talismans, amulets, and other protective yeah. devices. I was going to say, we should talk about like how this event happening, how it affects oh, yeah. the students, like this atmosphere of panic and fear. This little paragraph, this little detail is one of my favorites of this whole um, book, because I think one of the things that can happen is that uh, we're so focused on Harry, Ron, and Hermione that I often forget that, that they're There's in a others. school. Yeah. And so... You know, having this sense of, oh, there are other students living their, their lives and, you know, um, engaging in these mini student economies is actually very nice. <laughs> uh, Neville bought a large, evil-smelling green onion, a pointed purple crystal, and a rotting newt tail before the other Gryffindor boys pointed out that he was, he was in no danger. He was a pureblood and therefore unlikely to be attacked. Hey, what's, we should make a timely joke here about panic buying. Mm. <laughs> so if you are listening to this at some point in the future and everyone is still alive that's why that's why i wanted to talk about the atmosphere yeah. of fear and panic because i was like it's it's appropriate yeah turns out buying things that you don't need when you're not the one directly in danger. in danger is a pretty common human instinct no kidding. So yeah, so for those who don't know, we are like right in the middle of the coronavirus outbreak. Yeah, if you're listening to this uh, not in March 2020. Things have been escalating. All of the schools are shutting down in Ontario and I think in Boston. In, mm -hmm. Yeah. In everywhere. Public events are being canceled. Toilet paper is sell sold out of the stores. No purple crystals to be found. No, no purple, purple crystals. crystals. Anyway, be safe, everyone. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Don't go to crowded places. Don't spread the disease. Uh, don't panic by. Uh, please purchase bit by bit what you need so that you can last out a two week, which does not mean buying 18,000 packs of toilet paper. Um, and then we get Hermione is going really hard on this. 
Yes, Hermione is oddly enthusiastic about this plan. Yeah, I think I'd better do the actual stealing. <laughs> I think that Hermione is, um, she's excited by the prospect of this challenge of this potion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is mm-hmm. a very hard potion to make. Mm-hmm. And also, on top of that, she is a muggle-born, so it is self-protection. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, that's true. I would like to point out this sentence. Deliberately causing mayhem in Snape's potion class was about as safe as poking a sleeping dragon in the eye. The Hogwarts uh, yes. motto is yeah. numquam tidalandus something something something. Draco dormiens. Draco dormiens, which means never tickle a sleeping dragon. So that's funny. I never I never made that that connection. But this comes back to haunt Harry a couple of times. Mm-hmm. This action because I'll just go ahead and give this away. Snape is convinced that Harry is the one who did the stealing here. He kind of did. Yeah. He kind of did. He provided the distraction. He enabled it. Uh, Can I just point out that, you know, this really does show how dangerous potions is as a class. I know. Um, You know, you've got heat, you have clumsy students milling about, and you have these productions that, if gone well, can produce terrible effects, and if gone poorly, can produce even more terrible ones. Yeah. I'm just... I, I think Snape should have a teaching assistant. I yes, I was just going to say that. I was like, why, why don't they have any education assistants at Hogwarts? Time uh, to hire some TAs. I remember the very first potion scene in book one, where like somebody literally gets sent to the hospital on the first day. Yeah. Neville. Yeah, no. of course it's Neville. Um, Poor Neville. But like, this is a dangerous class. Yeah, we should talk about the dueling club. This is a scene that I feel like gets reenacted in fan fiction in like Aether fanfic sometimes. It's like the return of the dueling club and yes. Harry and, and Draco facing off once mm-hmm. more. This is a very charged scene. Oh boy, is it. <laughs> if, I, if I couldn't see Harry. Well, Draco especially anymore, since Draco see throws a snake at him. <laughs> and then Harry speaks to it in a language only he can master. Yeah, what did you think about that, E? Did you know anything about Parseltongue? I knew that Parseltongue was a thing. I knew that Harry was able to speak it. I thought it was going to come up in a later book. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't know he can speak it. I like that Snape is just also taking this opportunity to to throw things at Lockhart. (laughs) In the context of the Tumblr post that we read last time (laughs) with uh, Snape and Lockhart. They're only four years apart. Yeah. yeah. So Snape graded Lockhart's shitty potions papers before he became teacher. <laughs> yeah. Did Lockhart go to Hogwarts? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. So Snape and Lockhart were classmates, and then Snape was his teacher, and then they're colleagues. Now oh, they're colleagues. No, that's awful. <laughs> so him getting the opportunity to just like fucking blast Lockhart yes. into a wall. Yeah. Oh yeah. Speaking Instant- of that. I always get annoyed when I reread this book because Expelliarmus does not ever blast people into walls again after, I think it does once in the third, well, that makes sense when it does in the third book. Yeah, also in, um, with the combined, no, that's too fine, never mind. Yeah, it's, it's combined in book three. I suppose it could work in terms of physics. If his Expelliarmus is strong strong enough. Which is the funny thing I just realized is neither of the teachers running this club are actually running it in order to teach the students how to duel. Snape is running it so that he can beat up Lockhart, and Lockhart is running it so he can show off. <laughs> yep. Yes. And all the kids are there because they want to fight each other. What was it? Here we go. Uh, both Neville and Justin were lying on the floor panting. Ron was holding up an ashen-faced Seamus. 
apologizing for whatever his broken wand had done. But Hermione and Millicent Bulstrode were still moving. Millicent had Hermione in a headlock and Hermione was whimpering in pain. Both their wands lay forgotten on the floor. I like that the girls are involved in a scrap. Oh, yeah. That's very 12-year-old girls. I feel like 12-year-old girls fight way more than 12-year-old boys do. I went to Mm. a girls' school um, and uh, we did fight, but it was rarely physical. It was more psychological. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Fair. So Justin Fulkin Rolkin Tolkien gets... Yes. (laughs) What a rock star. (laughs) Gets uh, scared and then gets petrified. He's the unfortunate victim of this snake. Mm -hmm. What I like about it, and this might be something that maybe our American listeners don't pick up, is that we're absolutely primed by Rowling to hate Finch Fletchley. Really? One, he has a ridiculous double-barreled name, which suggests that he's very, very posh indeed. And two, he mentions that he's been down for Eton since birth. Oh, yes. And Eton is like the most fancy school in the UK that you can really go to, only go to if you're, yeah, aforementioned, very, very, very posh. And so we immediately don't like him. That's interesting because I didn't know either of those things. So I never didn't like him. Oh, interesting. I've forgotten about the Eton thing and I definitely didn't know the double. I knew immediately that he was a turd when he was mentioned. (laughs) The the double name thing for me that reminds me more of like progressive like young couples who choose. Oh my god! Names. Yes, like that's that's yeah. what that evokes for me. For me, it connects him to things like Sir Nicholas de Mimsy Porpington, yes. right? Like it's that same. He he re- represents the joining of two great estates: the Finch estate oh, and the Fletchley estate. Yeah, that makes sense. I think I've always just been at it. Justin Finch Fletchley. Fletchley is one of the <laughs> one of the side characters that barely get any like page time or anything. So I yeah. don't, I, they're, I'm ap- apathetic. It's interesting that she's doing some like sketching character work there that may just fly completely over an American audience. This brings up an interesting hypothetical question, which I will pose now, <laughs> which is: if you had the means and your child was uh, you know going to go to either the uh, most privileged educational institution in the country or hogwarts which is the only option yes which would you send your kid to i think i'd send them to eaton in the summer oh good point summer is there like a summer version it's like summer classes oh Oh. since justin is muggle born it i feel like every all the muggle parents who have, have a wizard child are like completely like they they don't they're not going to have any idea what to do when they find out that their child is magical. So I I don't know what kinds of befuddlement they cast on these parents because none of them seem to realize that sending their child off into this world that they hitherto had knew nothing about is anything other than a terrible idea. Uh, they don't cast spells on them. They actually usually send someone from the school to come and explain everything to the parents. I just think it just seems like a huge risk to me. You've learned today that your child is this category that you never knew them to be the other thing is that they probably learned earlier because kids start showing signs of magic like when they're seven so so it'll be like it'll be like four years of them being like what the heck is happening with my kid and then someone comes and explains Mm. it to them might be good actually yeah that's a good point Mm, that's a good point i would send him to eaton and then over the summer i would get that correspondence course thing (laughs) 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 it's like hey if you if you want to learn magic there you go. Cool. Some more clues happen. I do like that Harry tries to make amends with the Hufflepuffs. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he's looking for Justin to say like, hey, I didn't like, I wasn't sicking it on you. I was trying to make it stop. 
And it just so happens that I can talk to snakes. And they're like, ooh, you can talk to snakes. Yeah. <laughs> I like how it actually shows that all houses are capable of idiocy and meanness. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Not just Slytherins. I do also like that school opinion can just absolutely flip on a person. Which yes. Is <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Harry back and forth throughout all of the books is just like the school opinion flips on him constantly. Oh, yeah. Which is very like, that's how middle school works. All right. Nearly Headless Nick and Justin Finch Fletchley are petrified. At the same time. And they're At the same time. Uh, Nearly Headless Nick, no longer pearly white and black and smoky. Has to get wafted to the hospital. (laughs) I like that detail. (laughs) That's a very very funny detail. Peeves puts Harry in a lot of trouble all the time. That's just what he does. Does he only act thus on Harry? No, he does it to literally everyone. Yeah. I like the little thing about uh, Fred and George making Harry feel better by making it look so ridiculous that he he could possibly be the heir of Slytherin. (laughs) Yeah. They're like parading him around. What's that to you? What's that little rhyme they have to you? Oh, that's, 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 um, that's, that's, Peeves. that's Peeves. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Potter, you rotto. What have you done killing off students? You think it's good fun. It's quite catchy. It is. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Peeves has like a few good, a few good Peeves, rhymes yeah. throughout yeah. the books. He's had a while to, to practice his art. Though. No kidding. <laughs> Should we talk about Dumbledore's office? Yeah. Sure. E, what'd you think? I think it's very cute. I think it's exactly what I expected it to be, which is just like, whimsical but also you know he's in charge here it's not just whimsy uh, uh, we get the return of curious silver instruments <laughs> yes. yeah they come back again later we will spend <laughs> a lot more time in the this office later we, yeah I, I forgot how little time we spend in the first time we see it but we get to talk to the sorting hat we get to meet fox mm-hmm. which is a very uh funny name for a phoenix my um sort of nephew my dad's fiance's daughter's child sort of nephew okay. yeah. <laughs> his, um, he his name is fox after fox the phoenix but it's not spelled that way because they were like that's ridiculous so they just named yeah. him fox yeah. spelled f-o-x but got the idea from fox the phoenix <laughs> that's cute yeah and dumbledore asks harry if he has anything to tell him and harry as usual keeps stuff to himself poor kid he could tell Dumbledore and Dumbledore could help. I mean, this is another one of my pet peeves about Harry. He really, I mean, I know that he grew up in an abusive household and doesn't have much reason to trust adults. But really, tell, tell the adults in your life. Yeah, especially the responsible ones. Like, mm-hmm. Yes. He, we know that he trusts Dumbledore yeah. at this point. So, but he thinks about how how Ron said that like it's not normal to hear voices. Yeah, should we talk about the Slytherin dormitory? Common room, common room, common room. I think it's very funny that Draco is so irritated by this whole rumor going around that Harry's the heir. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. It actually makes me feel a little bit sorry for Draco this chapter. Really? Um, yes, yes. Do explain because his friends suck. Oh yeah, that's true. And yeah. I just imagine how how actually lonely he must be with only Crab and Goyle for company. Yeah. You know, because one of the like the returning thoughts, you know, um that that how stupid the people they're impersonating are because Dra- Draco doesn't even seem to know that anything is wrong. And they they literally sit there not knowing anything. Yeah. <laughs> and- I also just just realized that um 
like because i was like oh draco like could make friends with other people but then i was like well when he tried to make friends with harry he didn't do it in a very good way and if he does that to everyone when he tries to make friends with them it, it explains why he only has crab and coil as friends yeah mm. and like it's pretty clear from this polyjuice scene that he doesn't even like crab and goyle no much. they're no, just the no. only people who will listen to him later pansy parkinson mm-hmm and I was going to say, I think he does have some small amount of affection for Crab and Goyle. Oh, for sure. Over the years of knowing them for so long. But but, but it's more, you know, one has affection toward, you know, one's guinea pigs or... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They describe what it feels like to go through the polyjuice potion, which is terrifying. They turn it into Crab and Goyle. Hermione refuses to get out of the stall. We're just going to pass this because I want to get to the Slytherin stuff. We meet, like, the first Ravenclaw who speaks. You don't know her name, but later on... It is implied that this is Penelope Clearwater. Okay. I don't know who that is, but that's a good name. That's yes. why Percy was sneaking around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Small spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we make it down to the Slytherin common room. Rough stone walls and seen from which round greenish lamps were hanging on chains. A fire was crackling under an elaborately carved mantelpiece ahead of them. Several Slytherins were silhouetted around it in high backed chairs. Ooh, the British version says carved chairs. Carved oh. chairs. Instead of high backed. Yeah. That's that's a weird co- Why did they change that? I don't know. We have high backed chairs. Yes, or, absolutely. No, we have yeah. And we have carved chairs. Yeah. I don't understand. American children know what the word carved means. <laughs> they don't need it to be translated. Yeah. Um the one change that I noted in this chapter was that they changed what must have been bogey in the British edition to booger, which yeah. is not a word that oh. exists in the UK. Oh. Wild. And that threw me out of it completely. Yeah, and they change it back in later books. They do. Yeah, because yes. the bat bogey hex. I feel like American kids know what the word bogey is. I don't think they do. No. Hmm. Maybe that's just me. No, I learned it from Harry Potter. <laughs> so, so mm-hmm. yes. starting with this description of Slytherin, we will come back to the chapter in a moment. Okay. Bo, can you? a little bit about being a Slytherin, etc. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a curious question. I think that uh, the tragedy of the Slytherin is really that um, the Slytherin does not recognize or know that they are a Slytherin until they are confronted with it, either by way of a online quiz mm-hmm. or through some behavior that others deem Slytherin, but you think are totally normal. <laughs> so... The um, prime example of this was when I was watching John Wick, and I'm, I apologize for any spoilers I'm about to give. But there's a scene in John Wick where basically he's lost his wife and um, he elects to move on from his troubles uh, by burying um, all his kind of treasures underneath a cement floor. And he has these trinkets of his late wife that he keeps by the bedside table because, you know, he is lovelorn and hasn't got over her tragic death. And then the evil baddies catch up to John Wick and they basically burn his house down. And I was watching this with my friends. My friends said, oh no, his treasures, (laughs) meaning the trinkets from his wife that he treasures. And I said, oh no, don't worry. He's like buried all of his guns and money (laughs) under the floor. So they'll be perfectly fine. (laughs) And yeah, that got a... That got a Slytherin that reaction. That got a Slytherin reaction. <laughs> I mean, that's not normal. It's not an expounded upon house. Except that it's the second most important house. Yeah. In Harry Potter. 
it feels like, and this is just so far, but it feels like instead of like what I said before was like, it's the brave house, the evil house, the, you know, whatever, but it's, it really is more like Gryffindor is the normal house. Yeah. And the other three are different. The derpy house and the. (laughs) Hufflepuffs are very good finders. (laughs) <laughs> but um i would say i would say that there are instances throughout the books that are very make it very clear that gryffindor is is the brave house oh for sure for sure brave and reckless it's just house. that they've gotten like 80 percent of the yes. focus mm-hmm. yeah. and so they feel normal to us all of the characters we met that aren't like stereotypes of a personality trait are gryffindors and we've met more gryffindors though right so we can see ways in their characteristic of braveness and and whatever other thing it was um, plays out in different people in different ways. Yes. So it allows us to see ways in which this one stereotypical trait can be actually refracted and look like different things. Mm-hmm. Whereas Slytherin, the only character that we really get fleshed out is well, that in the only student we really get fleshed out is Malfoy. Right. Exactly. So we only understand yeah. cunning and ambition through Malfoy, whereas you know other people. The great mm. Blazer Beanie. Maybe we'll see something different. Slughorn. That, that's why I amended that to students. Not. And so you do see it a little bit in those kind of other people. But against the, like, we've got Harry and Ron and Hermione and Neville and yeah. George mm. and all of the Weasleys yeah. and all of the Quidditch team. <laughs> I'm sure that if we flipped the casting in such a way that, you know, all these characters were in Slytherin, we might see ways in which Gryffindors are deeply, deeply stupid and foolhardy. It's the jock house, right? Yeah. It would become yeah. the jock oh, house. Yeah, that's a good point. If this was a series about a Slytherin. Exactly. Yeah, they exactly. would be the, the dumb jocks. would be the bully jocks. Yeah. yeah. Has someone written that fanfic? Oh, yes. Sure. <laughs> 100%. I was just going to say the stuff that they learned from the polyjit. They learned basically four important things that I wrote down in a list. <laughs> Excellent. Read them to me. <laughs> the heir of Slytherin is not Malfoy. Mm-hmm. The last time the Chamber of Secrets was opened was 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. Somebody died and someone was expelled. Yep. Yep. And it's probably in Azkaban, which is the first time we learn what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Catgirl Hermione. Yes, Catgirl okay. Hermione. We also learned that Arthur Weasley is in trouble. Yes. And oh, yeah. That- so we find 50 galleons. And that the Malfoys have a secret stash of dark objects under their house. Yes. Their manner. Their manner. <laughs> Under their manner. Speaking of John Wick. Their treasures. <laughs> Poor Hermione. Yeah, and that's pretty much what we read. And now Bo is going to talk a little about houses. Mm. So let me ask this general question to you, Americans and <laughs> North Americans. Um, do you have houses? No. At all? I mean, we live um, in them. <laughs> also, the two yeah. of them were homeschooled. Oh, oh, well, yes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, but I will say no, not in our... The last school that I did a p- teaching placement at a couple years ago, they had, like, um, they didn't have houses, but they had, like, the classrooms were divided. They called them houses. The classrooms mm. were divided into, like, six teams or whatever, like, ho- and they had house points and stuff happening, but I think that was probably inspired by Harry Potter and not, like, a, not like a thing closest thing that north americans probably get to this is um colleges and universities 
Well, no, I was going to oh, say yeah. colleges, colleges within universities. That's a good point. Colleges oh. that do things based on the dormitory that you live in. That's okay. In Canada, or at least at the big universities, like I went to York University and York University is divided up into, I don't remember how many colleges. So I went to, mm-hmm. I was part of Winters College because of the programs that I was in. And if I was staying in residence, I would live in Winters College residence. You didn't seek glory for your... Oh, res- yes, absolutely. You did? How? In what way? There were like inter-college games and there was like mm. and like our frosh weeks were all different no that yeah there was definitely college pride events and stuff like that but they were uh, more but it sounds like more recreation yes all recreational naturally be competitive anyway i think the distinction with the kind of um houses at the secondary school level is that it's kind of natural in some ways to have you know divisions within schools and um tribalism i guess within <laughs> schools if you are competing for things that are naturally competitive right yeah. sports yeah. days or whatever mm-hmm. but what makes it i think distinctive and strange is to earn points for academic work that go toward oh, the glory of your yeah. house yeah so that's a thing that that's, we don't have at that's all that's a good point right and i think that you like when i went to secondary we had houses that were after um the earls of essex and um, <laughs> and um in primary school our houses were named after male white explorers um oh goodness. Perfect. Yes, indeed. Oh goodness. i think it's nice to have senses of belonging um in houses and that's what the kind of houses do um but i kind of think they can only really do that in a benign you know, careful, nurturing way if your house identity isn't also some kind of expression of personality or natural trait. Although I do think that comes from the tribalism, right? Is that in the same way that sororities do this, Mm. where you assign, I'll just go ahead and say this, a level of sluttiness to a different sorority, (laughs) right? That happens with houses though, doesn't it? Like where suddenly the other house is X- stereotype it sounds like like if that if kids are assigning a personality trait to another house that's a social thing not a school-based thing where it is whereas in hogwarts it's a school-based it's like like, an institutional level of this is your personality therefore you are this house right the decision comes kind of pre-made you know in some ways and there's no way that you can you can't you can elect to go to a house uh, sorry a sorority knowing your own level of sluttiness right (laughs) you know if you come into college and you think oh i'm only going to be a medium slut then you can be like you know then i'll go for the alpha delta kappa house which is the medium (laughs) sluts right or you can just not elect to participate in the system absolutely but if you're a hogwarts student and you come in you can know that oh no the slytherins are terrible people you know, but when the hat sits on your head and says, you are in for you, you know, you don't really have a choice. I think I that's mean, the... You do have a thing. choice, but you really you really only have a choice if the hat is stuck between two houses. Yeah. You have a choice between what the hat presents you. Yeah. With. You know, and, th- and it's just, this just seems like an excellent way to kind of... The kinds of blood feuds that lead to the rise of maniacal... Yes. Do you think... Here's a question that I mm. just thought of that is completely unrelated to (laughs) most other things that we're talking about um do you think if either there had not been houses or there had been like more mix between personalities in houses that Voldemort would not have turned out the way he did oh golly that um 
took one hypothetical question and span it into a... No. I think that... No spoilers. Yeah, no spoilers. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I can just log off for a moment if you want. No! <laughs> then we'd have to that, say, you can't listen to that, this five minutes of the podcast. <laughs> I think that what we learn about Voldemort in forthcoming uh, chapters reveals something that is kind of counter to, to Rowling's whole, whole project, um, which is that he seemed to be someone who was evil Inherent, from the first. Yes, I was gonna, that's what I was going to try to also say without spoiling anything. Yes, so yes, yes, I agree. <laughs> that being, the, and I say it's against Rowling's whole project because I think that she, her project is to show that there are hidden depths and possibilities for change in everyone. Kind of Voldemort's inherent evil seems kind of counter to that in some way. So, but but if he is therefore inherently evil, I do not think that a kind of better social upbringing would necessarily have changed him. That is a good point. But it would have changed Draco. It would have changed J- Draco. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. And it would may have you know would have changed everyone. Maybe Harry and. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had to rely so much on the love of you. Just cut out again. When we you missed that. the best part of that. Maybe Harry would have actually read Hogwarts in history. Yes. <laughs> Should we go to questions? Yes, yes that's good that questions. Good. <laughs> so I think we actually asked, answered Helix on Discord. Asked, are there any canon places where Slytherins really get depth? I think that we sort of answered that one. Mm. Maybe Slughorn. Mm-hmm. Slughorn. I think Slughorn Snape, obviously. Snape, yeah, but yeah. Snape less. Yeah, I, have... I feel like less in the sense of him being a Slytherin. Like it's not a lot of it's not a other than him being the head of Slytherin. Like Slytherin is a big part of Draco's personality and a big part of. I feel like it's important for Slughorn too. Mm-hmm. But being being sorted into Slytherin at school was a big part of yes. his situation that's situation true. that's true we have a question in a sort of similar vein from jay uh how do you as a slytherin deal with the racism of slytherin the founder um should slytherin be renamed or would that simply be whitewashing the legacy oh very very good question i think that they should be renamed mm. because i think it's very difficult for students to introduce as part of their own identity an identity that is connected to someone who may have actually hated and sought to erase their identity. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and so for kind of uh, pastoral care reasons for students and their own kind of self-worth and development, I think it should be changed. Do you have a name in mind? I do not have a name in mind. Would you do that with the other houses? Yes, I think I probably would. You know, each of them would just change the names of the houses. Um, but we can maintain... I was just thinking about names and I was looking at a dumb Pottermore page when I was wondering if we were going to read a Pottermore page, but it was a Pottermore page called, it was basically like, not all Slytherins. (laughs) Hashtag. Yeah. But it's one of those pages where I can't tell if it was written by the author or not. So we're not reading it. But anyway, the thing that I was going to say is that um, apparently Merlin was a Slytherin. There you go, Merlin House. There you go, Merlin House. So there you go. Great. Sounds great. Well, I think one of the one of the sad things, kind of, if you were to project forward into Hogwarts's future after the events of this book series, is that there's no evidence that um, Hogwarts really 
changes, changes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that the, the problems that have beset its past are therefore bound to kind of arise, right? So if we're looking to actually progress as a society and Hogwarts being part of the magical society seems a big part of that, then, you know, we need to, I think, institute fundamental changes. And if that begins with changing a name and therefore perceptions, then I think that's important. Yeah. From Morgan on Discord, if you could change one thing about the education structure at Hogwarts, what would it be? Shout outs to Morgan. Shout outs to Morgan, our composer. Thanks, Morgan. I think that certain hitherto oppressed and less popular courses of study should be given more importance. Um, I think that Muggle studies is often treated with contempt and as a joke in the universe, but I actually think it's a very, very important Yes, um, subject. agreed. I think history of magic should be taught by not a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I think they really need to look at their own curriculum. One of my other, you know, uh, complaints about this series is that Hogwarts is really a failing school. I was going to say they also don't have a curriculum. And literally every teacher makes up whatever they want to teach in their class. It's absolute mm-hmm. nonsense, you know. And... and university filled with only the most like tenured professors who just yep. do whatever the yes. hell they want. It's absolutely the ridiculous. They're really failing the students. If I had a child, I would send it to Durmstrom. And that's, what, <laughs> that's mostly clear in when you look at all of the various defense against the dark arts teachers. Yeah, everybody's figures. out here teaching their PhD, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> teaching their dissertation. It's ridiculous. From Hawk on Twitter, what is your take on snakes? Real snakes? Yeah. I like a real snake. Me too. They're kind of dry and and warm. (laughs) (laughs) And I like snakes because they eat the way I like to eat, which is no snacks and one giant meal. (laughs) I appreciate that. They're beautiful. Snakes are great. Snakes are all right. E, here on this podcast. Oh, hi, E. Um, (laughs) E, would you like to ask your first? (laughs) Yeah, I wrote down some question ideas. Um, So I guess I just wanted to ask because... You know, all three of you have been obviously part of this fandom for way longer than I have. How has the fandom at large, and especially people who um, self-identify as Slytherin, how do you separate that from the sort of gross, you know, stuff that Slytherin characters do in the books? I mean, I have to repeat, hashtag not all Slytherin. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm coming from the perspective of, someone who's read a book and a half and all of the Slytherins are like patently evil so far. Almost all of my friends are Slytherins and Hufflepuffs. <laughs> but all of my Slytherin friends, um, I just remember like throughout the years, now people are less wanting to talk about it because of not wanting to be fans of Harry Potter anymore. But like in the past, they would talk about, it, it, it's, it mostly just feels like ignoring the the stuff in the books and being like well let's look at the good traits of Slytherin or like Mm. how the traits of Slytherin can be interpreted positively. I I also think that it's important to realize that books show only seven years in the long history. Yes. Oh for sure. And that you know there can be bagged eggs in any hen coop. That was Mm -hmm. a made up metaphor on the spot. (laughs) I also will say that um, the Hufflepuff is a very excellent friend for a Slytherin to have. Mm -hmm. Very loyal. Weak, easily <laughs> controlled. <laughs> Both of them are Hufflepuffs. <laughs> I'm sorry. I am a Griffin Puff, but anyway. 
it's fine. I love Bo's response to that because it was so Slytherin. <laughs> that actually is a perfect lead up for wind up for my next question, which is what does it mean to you to be a Slytherin? And like, do you take both the good and the bad? I don't think there are any bad. <laughs> Just how you use it? No, I think that the things that people commonly say are bad about Slytherin, I understand them to be bad theoretically, but in application, I don't necessarily think that yeah. they're, they're that bad. Ambition, cunning, mm-hmm. that's fair. And also one doesn't recognise that one has them until they're out to oneself. Yeah. So what would you say to someone who, so you say that you don't know that you're a Slytherin unless you take an online quiz or somebody points it out to you Mm. because you think these things are normal. Yes. Yes. If somebody self-identifies as a Slytherin, Mm. are they a Slytherin or would you put them somewhere else? No, I think I would put them. In Slytherin? In Slytherin. Okay. If if you have been able to self-identify yourself as a Slytherin, it must mean that you have recognized those traits in a a fit of (laughs) self-discovery. Uh, and then last but not least, who is your favorite Slytherin? Uh, it's okay if it's somebody from the future. Just no major spoilers. Somebody from the future? Of the books. <laughs> <laughs> this Slytherin will be born in 2039. <laughs> the of Do you think I have? <laughs> um, Snape is my favorite Slytherin. Cool. Um, because, yeah, because he's, he plays such a major part. In these, yeah, mm-hmm. that's all the questions I wrote down. I don't know if Adela or Zoe, you have anything else. I'm trying to find one of. The, I should have looked at this before because I know there's like a ton of Tumblr posts about like why Slytherins are can be good or like headcanons about nice Slytherins <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I think the big th- the there's a bunch of that are of the idea that are like the ambition of the Slytherin can be helpful in these ways or the cunning of the Slytherin can be useful in these ways right I don't know where, how we ever got to the point where we think that cunning and ambition are bad things yeah I don't think they are bad things I just think that you can definitely use them to bad ends but you can also are... use like foolhardiness and oh, bravery to bad ends absolutely mm-hmm. I think it's just that and as you and will see bad ends always includes other people yeah and if you look forward to the future without too many spoilers there are certainly traits of ravenclaw that are dangerously bad mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so and gryffindor too so um we have Which one more limit so from brendan on discord if there were two wizards on the moon and one of them killed the other with a rock would that be fucked up or what no i think it's <laughs> fucked up you don't think yeah. Wouldn't Wait, why that's fine? I think it's fine. One of them has to kill the other. That's obviously. how this works. <laughs> okay. And why not a rock? <laughs> they can't be friends. Why would they be on the moon if they were friends? <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think that's going to be it from us today. So the next set of chapters, if you're reading along with us, are 13, 14, 15, with the penultimate episode of this book. The Very Secret Diary, Cornelius Fudge, and Aragog. Um, as we move into the final chapter, which will be two episodes from now, final section of the book, uh, start sending in your book wrap-up questions. We've got two more episodes on this book, and then we'll do a book wrap-up. We might take a couple of off, and then we'll dive into book three. Hey, E, what's the title of book three? Uh, uh huh. We'll revisit this on our last. <laughs> you caught me where I can't look at the. Uh-huh. 
I don't know. Before we do our our outro, I want to send you guys this Tumblr post. I just found it and it made me laugh. And it's not a spoiler, or it's just it's it's kind of a headcanon thing. Um, okay, I, I can read it. It's sorry, it's my, my so it starts with a Tumblr user called Telek. Telericula, which sounds like they're kind of trying to write Tarantulegra. Anyway, it says, uh, okay, but I just thought of a thing. You know the common fan theory that Slytherin is originally from Ireland because four founders equals four countries and the Sorting Hat song and green, etc. Makes sense. Except that Slytherin's emblem slash mascot is a snake. And as we all know, there are no snakes in Ireland. So I posit the theory that St. Patrick did, and I can't, don't swear, so did nothing. Exactly. Fuck all. <laughs> and that... It was all good old Salazar instead. When he heard that he had to move to Scotland to help found a wizarding school, he went, okay, fine, I guess I'm taking all the snakes with me and you can't stop me, no snake left behind. (laughs) Hence why Ireland doesn't have any snakes. (laughs) And then then someone put in their tags, imagine Slytherin crossing the Irish Sea with a flotilla of boats filled with snakes, a snake armada, (laughs) a snarmada, if you will. And then I added on to it, except when you remember that the snakes were actually Protestants, so it's highly doubtful that Slytherin would deign to rescue thousands of muggles and take them to Scotland with him. Mm, True. (laughs) Also, um, I did get confirmation that Salazar is a Spanish name. Salazar. Cool. Any final thoughts from Bo? Slytherin forever. Any final thoughts from E? No. All right. I can't follow that. (laughs) Then I have been Zoe. You can find me on Twitter at Zoe Topaz, Z-O-E-T-O-P-A-Z. And you can buy my book, Ostentatious, The Evolving World of Jane Austen Fans, wherever books are sold. I am Adela. You can find me on Twitter at Aredel, A-R-E-D-H-E-L underscore underscore. Uh, I've been E. You can find me on Twitter and Twitch and YouTube at C-E-L-1-0-E. And I've been Bo. And I'm still Bo. You are. <laughs> thank you for joining us, Bo. Pleasure. Thank you. Uh, you can find the show at Potternot on both Twitter and Tumblr. Please send us some book wrap-up questions as we prepare for our penultimate and ultimate episodes of Book Two, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Our theme music was by the is by the wonderful Morgan Jackson. You can find more of his music at we did the time warp again.bandcamp.com. Thank you, Morgan, for also sending in a wonderful question. Thank you to everyone else who also sent in questions. Yes, yes. and thank you to everyone who sent in questions. Keep sending them in, and if they're spoilers, send them to our Tumblr. Especially um, you, Jake, or Jared, whoever that Jay? was. Jay. 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 Thank you, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> we almost read your question twice. Uh, thank you, Craig, for recording us. Um, and thanks to my mom. And thanks to E's mom. All right. Oh, thanks to Craig. Thanks to Craig. Bye, Craig. (laughs) All right. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Usually we do the bye, Craig, at the end, but that's fine. And I usually cut it out, but I'm going to leave it in this time. (laughs) Excellent. Our outro gets worse every time. It really does. I mean, I feel like I feel like the worst one was still the last, not the last one, but the one before that. The one where I (laughs) kept. I had to keep restarting restarting the music. Yeah. All right. Oh my gosh. I will make Craig leave. Medium level slut. No. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we will put that in the title.